Welcome into another edition of NBA Sound System. My name is Gil McGregor, and I am joined by my man Scott Rafferty. We're in peak off-season mode. Scott, how are you? I'm bored, Gil. I'm bored. <laughs> James Harden has been traded. Dame Lillard has been traded. What's going on? I mean, I mean, are you not excited about a more Dwayne Wade, Paul Pierce debates like that? That can <laughs> fill the time, right? It's more like is uh, it actually a debate? I was going to say it's more like Dennis Schroeder and Maxi Kleber uh, beef right now. So yeah, we, we've reached that point in the calendar. Yeah, honestly, we honestly have it. And I mean, I learned about the Dennis Schroeder, uh, Maxi Kleber stuff through you, which is wild. And that we'll learn more about that when the, when the FIBA World Cup rolls around, especially because Germany is, uh, hosting a couple pre-World Cup events. And obviously, uh, Paul Pierce went on a podcast with Cameron and Mason. Was just trying to make a point that, you know, maybe if he had played with some some legends earlier in his career, he might have won a, a few more championships. But it wasn't supposed to be a knock on Dwayne Wade, apparently, mm-hmm. but it kind of sounded like one. I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah, of course not. Of course, of course not. not. Um that being said, in pure pure, true peak offseason fashion over at the Sporting News, as we do throughout the year, uh, we will be coming with our top 30 rankings uh players in the NBA uh with their body of work in this past season. Um, a lot to get into, and, and I guess that's what we'll do uh, on this episode of Sound System. And I, and I guess um, when talking about those rankings that will be on the Sporting News soon, we start up top. And, and it's interesting to see kind of how it goes uh, based on how seasons go and teams that win. And, and it's very rare that a team wins a championship and the guy who wins the championship for them uh, isn't at the top of the list. I know last year I think Giannis was still at number one after the, the Warriors won, but after the Nuggets – championship victory it appears that we're going to have a consensus number one in Nikola Jokic Scott I'm sure you're over the moon about that (laughs) how are you feeling about your guy Jokic really being the guy that everybody says is number one over the moon Gil oh absolutely (laughs) no I mean he he deserves it I think uh he he was in this conversation for the last couple years we Mm -hmm. are talking about a guy who went back-to-back MVPs honestly could very easily won three straight right it was a very close call between him and beating Giannis and honestly, had Jokic finished the regular season on a stronger note, I, I think it would have been really hard to not give it to him. But, you know, he, he's been in this conversation. He's one of the most dominant offensive players, not only in the league right now, but of all time. Coming off a historic playoff run, Nuggets get their championship. He's finals MVP. There's no question about it. I think, you know, the, the knock on him has been defense. That's like the only yeah. real thing you can say about him. And while he's always going to face his limitations on that end of the court, they won a championship with him. Um, you know right. what I mean? Like he, he can do enough defensively when he's got the right players around him to really be an asset on the end of the call. Like, I, I don't think it's just one of those things. Like he, he's not a bad, he's not a bad defender. He's not right. necessarily an elite defender. Right. He has fantastic hands. He's huge. Um, he's just really, really smart. So when you combine that with just his, you know, next level offense, I, I mean, I, I don't think I didn't really give it that much thought, to be honest. Like I had Jokic mm-hmm. at number one and then Giannis uh, followed by Steph Curry. It like Giannis, if someone had him at number one, I, I don't think I would be, you know, really mad or upset with them. Um, but it, it was a pretty clear choice for me. I'm glad you pointed that out because that was actually the question I was going to ask. It, it feels like the narrative has shifted a little bit because in the past it was like, oh, man, this guy can't play defense. So he gets played off the floor because of his defensive limitations. Like you said, it's not for lack of effort or not for lack of uh, necessarily, um, I guess, defensive acumen, but really just his limitations given his lack of athleticism um, and, and things of that nature. And, and I think that in the past I, I never – thought that he could get to number one because of that. And, and I guess what what I'm kind of hearing and what I'm kind of thinking is that maybe those issues were a little bit overblown. And and I, and I know we talk about it, you know, winning a championship kind of 
puts it out of, of your mind that, okay, if with his limitations or whatever the case may be, um, maybe defense isn't that big of an issue with his game. I know we saw it late in the year last year, but honestly, it looked kind of bored. Uh, the Nuggets did. So yep. I, I guess I, I wonder how that impacts him and then other players who we look at in the, the league who could eventually be number one. I'm thinking about Luka Doncic or somebody like that. But as far as defense goes and comparing these guys, because Giannis is arguably the best defender in the league. So when you think about that and the gap that exists on different parts of their game, um, how that kind of can make a difference. The thing, the thing with Jokic is I think I think certain plays and schemes can make him look bad on defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of those things, like, when it is bad for him, it's so easy to see it. But really, like, I kind of almost think at this point it's only maybe Steph and the Warriors that can really do that's it. Fair. You know what I mean? Like, Damian Lillard can have a similar impact, but, like, they've played each other in the, in the playoffs before. Jokic has come mm-hmm. out top in those, those matchups. But I, I just think, I mean, Steph's a tough cover for every big Anybody. man in the league, yeah, right? But right. I, I just think that, like, that pick and roll game specifically being able to pull him so far away from the basket. I think that's like where you really, it really stands out with him. But beyond that, I mean, you know, we, we saw in this playoff run, he's going up against Anthony Davis had a tough time scoring against him. You know what I mean? In the finals, what he was able to do rim protection wise, like he is just so smart. He's, he's more nimble than you think. And he's just really, really good positionally. Um, I mean, it it does help that he has like Aaron Gordon next to him, right? Who's, Who's one of the better power forward or forward defenders in the league. But, um, yeah, it's it's the thing with Giannis. I think is interesting because obviously that gap on that end of the court is, is massive. Like Giannis is arguably one of the best, if not the best, defender in the league. Um, just what he can do is like a, a a rim protector, the multiple positions he can guard. But I I also think there's a gap between Giannis and Jokic offensively, right? Offensively, and that, that's yeah. you know Giannis is Giannis is at a higher level offensively than 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 Jokic is defensively, obviously. Um, but I still think there's enough gap there to kind of make the difference here. And, and, and yeah, I mean, you, you do give the bump the fact that he just led a team to a championship because that's that's what this was all about. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing I wonder. Um, and, and, I, and I say this with all due respect to Jokic, honestly, like thinking about the, the concept of being prisoners of the moment, but also really taking in the full body of work. And, and I guess I think of that to say, you know, again, we, we do this multiple times throughout the season. I'm curious, you know, if, you know, when we do it, I guess probably the next time we'll do it is going to be around the Christmas games that we get. You know, will it be kind of flipping back and forth? I think we talked about this a lot with, with Jokic and, and, and Giannis, um, you know, being pretty close in age, which is really scary to think about both of those guys being 28. Um, it, it does feel like we're entering the era in which they're going to be flip flopping back and forth, but it's interesting that, you know, Curry is right there at 35, um, yeah. right behind them. Do, do you kind of see this as being, you know, largely that like the the championship is the one thing that put him over the top to where you know when we're a couple months back in the next season things will kind of go back in order because I think Giannis was number one on our list maybe four or five straight times running yeah I think since he can't remember what we had just before they the Bucks won the championship mm-hmm. but like since they've won the championship onwards I feel like he's been right. number one yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of flip-flop a little bit I also Jokic can roll out of bed and get 25, 12, and 8 at this point yeah. in the regular season. Yeah. But I do wonder, you know, just coming off that long run they had, you know, he, he's not playing the FIBA World Cup to take a bit of a rest. I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of conserves his energy for the playoffs at this point. So it, it wouldn't shock me if, to your point, we're doing this at Christmas. Giannis is averaging 35, 12, and 8. And we're like, yeah. how's this guy not the best player in the league? Um, but then, you know, the playoffs come around. Maybe that continues. Maybe Giannis leads the box to another championship. They suddenly have the potential to do that. But right. Yeah, I mean, that that's interesting. I think Joel Embiid is another fascinating one. You know, obviously, one MVP last season. He has 
come up short in the playoffs time and time again in his, in his in his career. So I think it's one of those like until he proves that he can get over that hump, he's probably going to be in this maybe like three to six range. Mm-hmm. I, I guess is is probably fair to say. But I mean, if he's another guy, you know, if he leads the six to a championship, it's going to be really hard to not have him in that that conversation for number one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. And to the Giannis point, he does feel like, especially the way that their season ended, him getting hurt, them losing in the first round to an eight seed, who was not your typical eight seed because they went to the finals, but he's coming out with something to prove based on, you know, what we know about Giannis and just the attitude that with which he plays. A lot of changes in Milwaukee, at least, you know, with, with a new head coach and Adrian Griffin taking over, but it does feel like he's going to be coming out on a mission, whereas Jokic and them might, will probably be conserving energy trying to defend their title because we know that's um, hard enough as is. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Embiid and some other names that are kind of Hovering in that top five range is Embiid, Steph Curry, as we mentioned, Luka Doncic, we mentioned uh, as well. Kevin Durant uh, also is another guy. I think it's really interesting to kind of see the balance between those older guys like Kevin Durant, Steph and Curry, who are, you know, later in later stages of their careers. You know, Luka's obviously the younger uh, of the bunch. And then you also have, you know, Jason Tatum, one of those younger guys um, in there. When you look at that kind of uh, balance between the guys who are, who are established heading towards the end. And then, you know, Doncic's, the Tatum's, the Devin Booker's who are trying to make that leap into the top five or the top three or the top spot. How, how hard is it to kind of differentiate and, and kind of make those calls based on, you know, what we haven't seen, especially like a guy like Luca, like last season was not bad for him, but really bad for his team. Um, and I think it does make it a little bit of, of a harder call. And obviously LeBron too, uh, going into year 21. This, he's been playing as long as some of these guys have been living. So it's wild to think. It's really tough. I think even beyond that, you have guys like Kawhi, AD is obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's not yeah. as old, but Jimmy Butler. AD, Jimmy Butler, Damon Lillard, like it's really yeah. hard. And I think also someone like Shea, who I'm sure we're going to talk about too, mm-hmm. like factoring the season that he just had, how much right. do you bump it in these, in these rankings compared to someone who is more established or who has done this longer? So it's really tough. I, I had a hard time with KD specifically. Look, there's no question he's one of the, the top 10, top five players in the league right now, kind of in that range. We know what he is, one of the best scorers of all time, can get a shot off against anyone. He was fantastic last regular season. Um, obviously, yeah. the injuries kind of derailed a lot of that stuff, but he was fantastic. The only thing with him is that he, he's had a couple kind of rough playoff runs by his standards. Right. You know, and right. I think one of the really interesting things for me, and I actually have them back to back in my rankings right now. I don't know if I'll change that by the time we have to actually get these <laughs> sent in, but I have KD and then Booker. Um, I, I don't know how big that gap is really between them. Now, you know, yeah. like especially the way that Booker played in that in the, the postseason. Um, I, I think we'll probably know more this upcoming season, just the way that this team's built, like it's even more top heavy than it was before. And I wonder if one of them will, will kind of really emerge as like this is the number one player on this team. But but yeah, I, I just don't know if the gap between like Durant and Booker is as big as it, it has been when we did this exercise last, for example. Right. I think that that was the thing that, that stood out the most with, with Kevin Durant. Um, you know, the, the way the last two playoff runs have ended for him. I know we talked a lot about the, the, when they faced the Celtics when he was still in Brooklyn, um, the year before last. And, and then this past year, um, things just kind of, they ran out of steam, uh, against the Nuggets, who again, eventual champions. But I remember previewing that series and, and really talking about the way that the Clippers got physical with Kevin Durant early on in that series before Kawhi Leonard went down. Um, and, and Obviously, Kevin Durant is still probably 
he is the most difficult player to, to guard in, in the league and arguably one of the hardest players that has ever been um, to, to guard in NBA history. But but seeing the way that he's kind of run out of steam, and I know the durability issues and things like that have had a hand in that. But I do think it's interesting to, to kind of see, you know, where they go from here, especially, you know, with the way the Suns roster is, um, you know, kind of built very top heavy uh, going to, to this upcoming season. I think it's also interesting. Again, um, Bradley Bill doesn't really get, even kind of a, a mention or a thought in these exercises. So it'll be interesting yep. to see, you know, how that changes when he plays alongside those two guys um, and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. I think it's really interesting too to, to, to look at Devin Booker um, and kind of, I feel like when we were doing these exercises two seasons ago, when they were making that run to the finals, he was always right back to back with, with Chris Paul. They were like 12 and 13 or 13 and 14. And now he's creeping up and he's, he's solidified his spot in the top 10. And I'm really curious thinking about Devin Booker and, and the ways he's improved, you know, where do you see him peaking uh, as far as a player in this league? And do you think he can make that leap into the top five, top three type guy? I mean, never say never in this league is what I've learned. Right. Yeah, I, right. I think yeah. it'd be really hard for him to, to crack the top five, just knowing the players that are in there. In saying that, we just discussed yeah. it. Like, Steph is, you know, into his mid mid to late 30s. We have Kevin yeah. Durant in this range. Same thing. Like, there's there's a couple spots that could open here. Um, you know, there's also players behind him who could potentially move up. But, look, I, I he's, you know, three straight All-Star teams. He would have made a fourth one this season had he not gotten injured when he did. Probably would have made an All-NBA team. He's one of the mm-hmm. best scorers in the league. I yeah. think he made a big jump defensively last year he too, did. like really buying in on the end of the court. And really, I, I think I still think his like playmaking for others is, is underrated, to be honest. And I think right. all of that came together in what was ended up being a really weird run for the Suns in the 2023 mm-hmm. postseason. But I mean, 34 points per game, seven assists, <laughs> two steals, shooting, what is this, 60, 50, 87. Um, again, it's Unreal. an eleven-game sample size, but what he did during but that still. stretch, I think he's just proved himself to be, you know, one one of the best scorers in the league. But a guy who, and they're gonna have to lean on it even more now. Um, his playmaking, mm-hmm. you know, all the jokes about him not wanting to face double teams and everything, he gets double teamed more than most players in the league, and he's really improved right. in that regard. So they're gonna lean on that even more this year, which which is why I could see, you know, him really establishing himself as like a top ten, maybe knocking on that top five door. Um, if he has another big season and can stay healthy, that's that's the big thing with him because it feels like he's not not that he's injury prone. Like I wouldn't go that right. far, but he also has had a couple injuries lately, like nagging injuries. Issues. Yeah, and, right. and and those those muscle issues can have a way of kind of showing up time and time again. So hopefully he can stay healthy. Absolutely, I think the big thing with that uh, is you know playing alongside Kevin Durant and Bradley Bill, it'll be harder, and, and DeAndre Ayton as well. But it'll be harder yeah. uh, to double team Devin Booker. So if the game slows down and gets even easier for him, I think he could definitely make that that leap. One more name I want to highlight: Jason Tatum. I think he's another guy who um, he he's kind of around for a lot of us in that top five range. He's kind of been on the cusp of, of really making that leap into you know being in those top guys. Um, he's maybe potentially arguably a sprained ankle away from having been back to back finals. I don't necessarily think that that Celtics team had enough uh, to beat the Nuggets, especially if they had clawed back from a 3-0 deficit to do so. But I think the biggest thing standing in the way of him making that leap into being a top five player is his consistency. I was kind of having this conversation with a friend the other day. It's like when, when you have a 10 game sample size with Jason Tatum, you know, eight of them are going to be really good games. Two of them are going to be head scratchers. You don't know when the two are going to come. It could be two in the middle, two at the end of that that t- sample size. But I feel like if he can get over that, and that is part of just youth and, and still being a young player in the league. But I think that if he can get past having those just very confounding games, he will make that leap into unquestionably being a top five player in the league. 
I mean, I, I think the last playoff run is a great example of that, right? Going for right. 51 and 13 in a game seven against the Sixers and just making Joel Embiid honestly just look like mm-hmm. he was running around in circles defensively. And Joel yep. is one of the best defenders in the league, especially at his position. That That's the thing for me with, with Tatum. I, I think I'm a little bit lower. I still have him in the top 10, but I think I'm just a little mm-hmm. bit lower than, than consensus, I guess, on Tatum. Because of that, like you just, you don't know with him. Um, we saw it last year in the playoffs. We saw it in that finals run too, um, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like the highs for, high, uh, for Tatum are so, so high, but he also, there's moments at the end of games where it just, it, it kind of looks like he doesn't feel comfortable with what he's doing or know what he's doing. Right. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a big season for the Celtics, obviously. I think the second season for Joe Mazzulla, maybe he gets to kind of really put his stamp on this team and, and lead the offense and the defense the way that he wants to. You know, the, there's been some some changes there with Porzingis going in, Smile going out. What does that do for Tatum? But um, yeah, I mean, he, he it does. It's interesting because I feel like the last couple of years we've been do, been doing this, like Tatum's unquestionably top ten, but he's mm-hmm. also kind of just been in that firm like six to eight range. Like he hasn't quite cracked that next level, right? But I mean, just you know how young he is. What he's 25, 26. 25, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the amount of postseason experience he's had as well. It kind of does feel like it's only a matter of time until he breaks through. Absolutely. Only a matter of time before he breaks through, and then we'll be up there uh, for some time for sure. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll talk about a few more guys in that top 10 range and maybe a couple of sleepers who maybe could uh, make the biggest leap as the season goes on. Okay, so we hinted at it a little bit already, talked about LeBron James going into year 21 and looking at some of the ballots. He is in all of our top 10s, except for one. I'll let you guys figure out uh, who didn't have him in the top 10, no call-outs. Obviously, I think it's a very valid uh, argument. to He's in that 8 to 13 range, which I think is really ridiculous to say, considering that he's going to turn uh, 39 this season. I guess the question, simply put, is how much longer do we gonna have? I, mean, I know we've asked that question for 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 a long time now, for like but ten years, it, it feels like for ten years we've been asking Honestly. how much longer he's gonna be a top ten player. But it does feel like he's still. Um, I think you could say arguably now we went we went from being unquestionably uh, in the top ten to arguably in the top ten. But I am curious how much the fall off had to do with his injury um, and, and how hobbled he was really playing um, down the stretch of that season. So what do you see? What do you project? Uh, for LeBron this upcoming season? He's obviously still a basketball genius. He, the mm-hmm. Lakers made the conference finals. I think him and AD maybe at the same level during that run. I might give LeBron yeah. a slight edge in being the best player on that team, but it's really, really close, especially when you factor in just how incredible AD was defensively. But whatever right. it is, 1A or 1B on a team that made the conference finals, the numbers that he puts up, he's still one of the best players in the league. I don't think there's any question about that. His mind is as sharp as ever. <laughs> The thing for me is, is one, the injuries. Um, that's obviously the big thing for him, just durability. I mean, he's played last three seasons, 45 games, 56 games, and 55 right. games. And unfortunately, they've kind of hit at the worst time of the year. Yeah. I feel like even last yep. year, you know, he did come back from that foot injury, but it did kind of seem like he wasn't quite the way that he was before that injury. Right. I also think the big thing for me in that playoff run in particular is LeBron for so long has always just felt like he could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And yeah. it doesn't quite feel like he can still do that. Like he, It feels like he has to pick and choose his moments a little bit right. more. And it's a testament to him, by the way, that he can still do that. Like You mm-hmm. look at the list. So he averaged 28.9 points per game this season in his, his 20th season in the NBA. 
The next highest scoring average for a guy in his 20th season was Kobe, 17.6. Then it goes Dirk at 12, Kareem at 10. Those are the only guys who have ever averaged That's the biggest wild. in their 20th season. LeBron nearly averaged 30. Like, yeah. it's just what we are seeing from him, we've never seen before. And, and I, it, it feels like we've said that every single season of his career, basically. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable that he's still kind of in this range. But I think that kind of combination of the, the durability aspect of it um, this far into his career and, and still just kind of maybe having to pick and choose his moments a little bit more and not being able to kind of dominate the game like he has for so long. I think that kind of puts him in that range. Yeah, I think about that and, and thinking about just how he was playing last season, uh, you know, right around the turn of his birthday, turn of the new year. You know, he had a couple 40-point games, a couple of games in the high 30s, and it really just looked like he had, you know, to your point, he, he wasn't – he obviously doesn't have the burst that, that he once had because he's in his 20 seasons got a lot of miles on his body, not to yep. mention – all the the minutes he's played in the playoffs on top of what he's done in the regular season. Um, but watching him play, even in person, it, it was kind of playing an, a unique brand of high IQ bully ball. And, and the jumper was falling for him too, right? And the big thing that I noticed, especially down the stretch of the season, after, you know, I think the, the season's finale, I think he hit seven or eight threes, and then he just – his jumper just disappeared in the, throughout the playoffs. And, and I'm curious to think that even if he shot the ball just a little bit better last postseason, how much different it would have made things look for him. And I'm curious, you know, whether or not, you know, the, the it was like the the launch, you know, if the, if the foot was really throwing him off ever so slightly, you know, on that. If it will look like he can maybe get to his spots a little bit better, um, you know, if the jumpers fall and defense have to play him a little bit differently. So I'm very curious to see that. And on the other hand, talking about what the Lakers have done, this offseason, keeping all the guys they kept, Hachimura, uh, Austin Reeves bringing in, Gabe Vincent. Um, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, the way they've built the team, obviously retaining D'Angelo Russell as well. Um, will that make things easier for him starting the season with a clean slate, hopefully a clean bill of health, um, would allow him to load manage a little bit differently? Because at some points last year, Darvin Ham was really, 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 really <laughs> using LeBron way more than you should be using a player, you know, in, in his 20th season. But it was out of necessity. So maybe um, that'll make things look a little bit different going into next season um, because the roster is constructed much, much better than it was, um, you know, going into uh, the season this time last year. Austin Reeves is the big one for me in that regard. Right. I think. He, he, I mean, he had a breakout season last year, especially in the playoffs. He really kind of mm-hmm. proved himself to be a legit third option next to AD and LeBron. And at his age, I think, I mean, we saw him closing that, that Grizzlies game. Was right. I, I think that moment will, will forever stick out with me because I, I just don't ever remember like a high stakes game, just seeing LeBron basically hang out in the corner and someone else just doing yeah. it. Like even when he was next to Kyrie, unless I'm, I'm forgetting a particular big game or anything like that. It was usually like Kyrie would cook a little bit, then maybe they get involved together. Right. Like this really was just Austin Reeves just going down every single time. It, it was so weird to watch. But um, yeah. if he, you know, just given his age, what he was able to do last year and how much he progressed, if he can take kind of another leap to the point where, you know, he can take a little bit more off of LeBron's shoulders and maybe he can coast a little bit more in the regular season. I also think, you know, AD being healthy would obviously be huge. Like if AD, right. he's another guy where it feels like the last six years we've been saying, hey, you know, he's, he's, he's a dark horse candidate for the uh, for MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. I, I don't know at this point. Like, I've kind of given up on that just because of the injury stuff. But if he's going to play 60-plus to potentially 70 games, I think that obviously would take a lot off of LeBron as well. 100%. 100%. LeBron James, last year you mentioned the numbers. He was all NBA 
13, that's 19 All-NBA selections in 20 seasons, which, again, is pretty unreal now. I mentioned All-NBA to say that there is only one member of last year's All-NBA first team that did not crack uh, the top 10. It was not a consensus top 10 guy, and that's Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, had a great season. We talk about breakout seasons. He, he broke out from uh, star to that all-star, um, fringe superstar level player and has an opportunity if he plays for Team Canada at the World Cup this year uh, to really boost his confidence even more. But why do you think that that he is the guy, despite how well he played last year, that we didn't really, I guess, give him that much credit for the body of work that he, that he put together to be a first-team All-NBA guy last year and not crack the top 10? This is where it starts to get really difficult for me, I think, in the range, just because a lot of the guy, the guys I have ahead of him are basically just more established. Um, especially mm-hmm. in the playoffs. I think that's just the one thing missing with Shea where he's been to the playoffs a couple of times, but it was right. one was why his rookie season, I think it was where he was kind right. of, you know, he was very much a role player on that Clippers team. And then that Thunder team that made it to the playoffs, he had a pretty disappointing series. I'm that's not going to put too much into that because he was a different player, you know, first, I guess, real postseason with like attention on him. Um, I have much more confidence that like he's going to be really good in the postseason when we see him back there again, just because of what he's able to do. But I think that's just the, the next thing for him, kind of proving that. And then I could see him kind of really knocking on this this door of the top 10 and potentially cracking it because he's – the way he's ascended over the last couple of seasons, I mean, you said it, he, he's kind of on the cusp of superstardom, right? And I think he was kind of in the fringe MVP conversation last year. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you won't find many people who don't love kind of what the Thunder have built at this point because they, they made a huge league last year, surprised everyone – you think a couple of good Jalen Williams improves, Shea continues to improve, so does Giddy. They have Chet back, which gives them something they, they, they just didn't have. So if this is a season where maybe the Thunder, I think they, they should absolutely be in the play-in tournament again, right? And, and hopefully if they are there, get through this time and make the playoffs. But I think they're going to have a chance probably of cracking that top six in the Western Conference if everything breaks right for them. Partially because, again, that internal development of all these guys led by right. Shea, but also the, the West is in just, I feel like, such disarray at this point that, you know, that's a team that could capitalize on that. 100%. You know, you mentioned that. I didn't even think about it from, from that lens. They're, they're so much up in the air, you know, even for the teams, you know, like the, the, the Suns, we, we don't know how it's going to look when everything's together. We, we talked about, you know, the, so many different things that the Lakers success hinges on. The Nuggets are going to look to replace some key contributors that left with younger guys. Um, and the Thunder are a very young team, but they, their, their biggest question is, is there enough minutes for everybody on the team? Yeah. And they're in a spot where they could probably consolidate some of that young talent and bring in another big name to kind of bring them closer to that goal. So I, I look at the Thunder as a team um, that could really make a big leap and, and have honestly a, a similar rise or similar ascension to this thunder uh, in the late 2000s, you know, when they had that year where they ended up, uh, I think, 9 10, when they ended up winning 50 games and were an eight seed with 50 wins um, and then ended up making the leap to to Western Conference finalists and then uh, NBA finalists in a three year span. They, it kind of feels like they're they're in that that realm. Obviously, a lot of things have to break. A lot of things have to go uh, the right way. But I think that. Thunder fans should be probably some of the most excited fans. Not to mention they have 35 draft picks over the next seven years on top of that as well. So uh, they have plenty of capital and stuff to kind of, uh, to, to figure out. So if with the team success and more sustained success from Shea, uh, means a bigger leap, uh, from him. So that'll be exciting to say. Now, as I look through this list, uh, if there are any more takeaways before we get off of this top 30, because we've talked 
the half an hour about a, a list <laughs> of, of 30 players. Um, I think it's really interesting just to kind of see how all of us value different players. You know, there's the, the age-old debates, guys, you, names that, that pop up, Donovan Mitchell, Zion, Bam Adebayo, Drew Holiday. It's interesting where we all value him very differently. Is there any, anything that stands out to you? The uh, Speaking of Shea, the opposite case of this is, is Jamal Murray, I think, right? Where it's yeah, a guy right. who partially due to the injury that he had, has never really, I, I think maybe once in his career, if I remember correctly, like he was in the all-star conversation. Other than mm-hmm. that, he's, he's never really been like in that range. It's true. But you look at what he's done, not just these playoffs, like his career in the playoffs. Right. It's, that to me is like, if we're talking about like, what is, what is this all about, right? It's competing for championships. <laughs> and here's a guy who takes his game not only to another level in the playoffs, but reaches like historic levels. I mean, our Micah Adams wrote during their, their, their finals run that, you know, there are only he's one of five guards in NBA history to average twenty-five points, five assists, and five rebounds, and have played at least fifty playoff games in their career. Do you want to guess who the four of the guards are? Because it's it's pretty it's pretty solid company. Is, is one of them Michael Jordan? One of them's Michael Jordan. Mm, uh, maybe is Dwayne Wade up there? Dwayne's not up there. That he's probably pretty close, though. I would think. Okay. Okay. Who? Who? I, I know. So, I, Michael Jordan. I mean, if if you were with Michael Jordan, it doesn't even matter who else is on the list. Because I, I mean, yeah, I put you on the spot here. But um, Michael Jordan number one, Kobe two, Jerry West three, oh, yeah. Steph Curry sure four. Kobe. Um, Goodness I mean, gracious! Yeah, see, four the great, four the greatest gods of all time, right? And he's kind of in that company. So right, he, he was just a hard one for me to place because it's like, how much do you? kind of value that compared to what we've seen in the regular season and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I, I think I started maybe even having him at like 15, I think, maybe mm-hmm. on my list. I, I bumped him down a little bit since then. But, yeah, he, he he was hard to play. So that that was a big one for me. A couple other ones, Zion. Um, I, I just think guys who have injuries are just so hard to place on these lists because mm-hmm. healthy Zion is unlike anything we've really ever seen before and a legitimate, like, this guy's first-team All-NBA MVP candidate, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, how much do you weigh that compared to the injuries? Um, Paul George, same kind of thing. Like, I just, the injuries, it's really hard for me to place him. And James Harden was another one where it's, look, I I think it's really easy to to kind of talk about what what Harden doesn't do. I I think also the stuff that's just going on with him now in in the trade rumors and him wanting out of Philly is obviously not great considering this is what you wrote about it. It's like his third trade request. It, in three yeah. or four years like it's just yeah, not it's great wild. but he's also coming off a season where i i think he should have been an all-star last season he, he he was in the all nba discussion yes the playoff stuff is a huge knock against him he also had like two absolutely massive arguably two of the best playoff performances of his career so but yeah he's just another one that i i kind of back and forth on on where to place him it's funny you mentioned Paul George. If you and I were 10 years younger, we might have both had him uh, number one for whatever reason, the young generation. <laughs> just Paul George, his game is so pretty. He's they the they, they, uh, rank, they rank him high. And, not, and for transparency, the way that we do these rankings, we each uh, list our top 35. Uh, which gets really hard once you, once you get past 10 and you start just, and it, we do use each other's, uh, you know, lists for a little bit of a inspiration or a launching pad and make sure we don't, uh, forget anybody or kind of use that as a point of reference. But it, it does really get difficult because one, like you mentioned a guy like, uh, a, a Zion Williamson or a Bam Adebayo or a John Morant, whoever it is, it's like, man, do I really think that there are 15 or 20 players in the NBA better than this guy? But then also you're looking at them next to the guys on your list and it's like, man, Man, like 
you know, do I think that Kyrie Irving is a better basketball player than Jalen Brown? Obviously, there's there's fit and there's this and that and the third within specific systems. But also you think about players, strengths, weaknesses, limitations, things of that nature. So it always is a fun exercise and it'll be coming to you soon. Maybe by the time you hear this already live on the sporting news, but please go check that out and, and, and yell at us if you disagree with some of our rankings. I want to yell sure at you. We'll yell back. I want to yell at you. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I need to know oh, what boy. was the toughest call for you. Oh, the toughest call. I mean, I said one of them, Kyrie and Jalen Brown was was tough. Yep. Like that, that like that sect of players. I'm looking at it right now. It's like Zion, Sabonis, Ert, Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Brunson, James Harden, Demar Derozan. Like all of those guys, like. DeMar DeRozan, I think, just deserves the respect. Like, yeah. the Bulls didn't do much this past year, but he's a guy who consistently has just been doing his thing. And again, we talk about his limitations, his strengths, his weaknesses, but his strengths are super strong. And I think you talk about what he does, but also, like, with him being the guy on the team, that team is probably limited. And there's things that, it, it, who knows, if Lonzo Ball is healthy, this Bulls experiment situation looks way different than it does, but it is what it is right now. But guys like that, who you kind of feel like, have to be in your top 30 um, and you kind of throw a little bit of the conventional wisdom out of, out of the window. So sorting guys like that around, and you know, giving a mention to Pascal Siakam, who's a guy who, again, team success. How do you balance that with him just being a really good basketball player and, and trying to, you know, balance those things because the situation is really important. And sometimes you can put him in somebody else's situation and yeah. it looks way better and vice versa. So, so those are some tough calls for me. So that 20 to 30 range is always difficult, but it was especially difficult uh, this time. And, and even throw some other names in there. De'Aaron Fox is a big leaper for me, but then like balancing that with a guy like Anthony Edwards and Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell as well. So a lot of those guys, similar positions, similar range. Um, it, it got real tough. You said, what was my hardest call? I gave you like 12 of my hardest calls. So uh, <laughs> that's a very, hopefully that's a very, that's it. That was a very Scott answer that you just gave. I hope you're proud. I hope you're proud. I hope you're proud. (laughs) Very proud. Oh, man. man. That being said, I know we mentioned Shea and and Jamal Murray. Those guys could both be playing for Team Canada at the World Cup. If one of them isn't, it's probably Jamal Murray. He had a long year, and you mentioned he's had his injury woes. That being said, we are going to take a a slight pause until the FIBA World Cup. Uh, Just hit the pause button. We'll have plenty to talk about with Team Canada, Team USA. Uh, We'll have some stuff over on that at the Sporting News. So for uh, that, that time being, please keep it locked in with us at the Sporting News. We'll have previews for Team USA, Team Canada, Team Australia, uh, a lot more uh, at the Basketball World Cup, which tips off on August 25th in the Philippines, Indonesia, and why and Japan. Sorry, I was about to <laughs> and Japan. So uh, those those countries will also be there as the host countries. Just found out Kyle Anderson will be playing for the Chinese national team. So a lot to, uh, to, to be excited about there. Um, before we take that break, Scott, are you most excited about seeing what comes of Team Canada, what this Team USA team is going to be, and or maybe what NBA stars play? All the above, honestly. Um, team USA, yeah. I think, to, has put together a fascinating team. Just not necessarily, you know, the they're not the A-listers, to be quite frank. I mean, not at all. best no. player on that team is, is probably Anthony Edwards. Um, mm-hmm. Just looking at our player rankings, we probably, across the board, have him higher. Then it's like Jalen Brunson and Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. Really good guys, but, you know, borderline all-stars, kind of just in that conversation. So fascinating to see what they're capable of doing. I really hope Team Canada puts this whole roster together because it would be awesome, absolutely awesome to see these guys suit up and play Shea, Jamal, that Steph No wrote about this on the Sporting News, probably have the best backcourt in the tournament, right? And, and you have some pretty good depths and pretty good forwards around them. I feel like they can really make some noise. And yeah, look, if Giannis doesn't play, we know Jokic isn't going to play. That would be unfortunate. 
there's still so much talent. Like I, I think it's just yeah. going to be a really, really fun tournament. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Again, Spain won in twenty nineteen, so we'll see if they can uh, defend their title. Ricky Rubio is going to be back, uh, and and they'll uh, see some blast from the past names as well, like Rudy Fernandez, still getting it on the international Incredible. level. Incredible, incredible, incredible to see that as well. So like I said, please keep it locked in with us over at the Sporting News because we will have plenty of content to get you ready for the FIBA World Cup. And then when the World Cup rolls back around, we will be back with you here on NBA Sound System. Even though we're taking a break, I'm going to remind you to please subscribe to NBA Sound System wherever you get your podcast and catch up with all our old episodes from the offseason. By the time you're caught up, you'll be ready for our FIBA World Cup coverage. For Scott Rafferty, my name is Gil McGregor. We will catch you back here in a few weeks. And as always, thanks for tuning in to NBA Sound System.